Welcome to From Uniforms to Unicorns. This podcast is all about our experience as female corrections officers, our challenges, our triumphs, and our transitions out of the career. Lauren and I have always had a significant bond friends, moms, and business owners that happen to be in prison. Life attempted to separate us, but we always found a way back to each other through huge life milestones, tragedy, and random text messages saying, I thought of you today. We know there's huge curiosity surrounding these topics, and we aren't the only ones that struggle. There are also incredible stories just waiting to be shared, and we want this to be a safe place for us and you to talk about the often unspoken world of corrections. Grab a coffee, head out on a walk, or just take a break. Let me warn you, we have no idea what we're doing. From uniforms to uniforms. From Uniforms to Unicorns is sponsored by Brand 47 Coffee, which was founded by Holly and Alex, both first responders looking to create a sustainable business to pass on to their two sons with Down syndrome, Jax and Nico. Thinking about the future has always been in the forefront of their heads for their boys, creating meaningful employment and independence as adults. The only way to do that was to create it. Brand 47 Coffee Co. provides the most unique and fun-flavored coffee. Seriously, it is so good. Our Mine and Sharon's favorite is the Coco Loco. It's coconut-infused. It is to die for. All of their coffee is small-batched and roasted to order. They are incredible people doing incredible things. Their vision is to keep the world caffeinated, to stay special, and be extra. You can find them at brand47coffee.com. Hi, Sharon. Hi, Lauren. How's it going? I'm good. How are you? Good. How's your weekend? Actually, pretty like pretty laid back. We had hockey yesterday in Millet, which was awesome. The boys um, played amazing. It's so it's so much fun when your kids get to be this age where they're like they're playing for the score. Like the last couple of years, yeah. first of all, COVID messed everything up, but they didn't keep score and I'm like then why are we here why are we here exactly <laughs> so, <laughs> so it's more, uh, yeah it's I totally didn't now. think I was one of those moms that was like yelling and screaming and, and I totally was yesterday it was really fun uh and then we did Thanksgiving with my husband's parents because we didn't get to do it in October so oh, we just okay. went over there for turkey and hung out and then today um Jody's guy plays uh hockey here so after we're done this we're gonna go watch him play Oh, nice. You know, probably Perfect. do the whole Eastside Mario's deal. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Whatever. Exactly. How are you? How's your weekend? Tell everybody what you're doing this weekend. <laughs> so I, yeah, speaking of coming out of our comfort zones, right? I'm, I'm in a documentary this weekend, so they're filming now. So um, that's why we look so pretty. If you guys could see us, you'd be amazed and um, didn't even recognize me (laughs) yeah I didn't (laughs) and so yeah we're having a fun weekend and the time change um of course is screwing everyone up right but we're up we're up in this house and we're ready to go by eight which is very unusual for our family Mm -hmm. especially on the weekend right on the yeah yeah Mm -hmm. we're usually lazing lazing around a bit so that's okay something new so uh Season four, which is now, we've been uh, having a theme of reinventing yourself. Um, so, Lauren, I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you 
have you reinvented yourself? And if so, how? Uh, well, I, <laughs> I want to say I've probably done it a few times actually I know. throughout it's my, true. throughout my life. Um, yeah, I, I probably the most drastic one that I'll share though is, um, Believing corrections was probably one because I had a massive identity attached to wearing the uniform. Um, that was my career. When people asked me what I did, I was, I was proud to say that I was a corrections officer and, um, you know, and when you lead in with, I'm a corrections officer, there's the, you know, the, the, the questions are abundant. People always want to know what, what is that? Like how, you know, yeah. how did you get into that? Whereas now I'm a business coach and people go, Oh, okay. <laughs> right. So uh, the, yeah. the different aspect to that is, and, and I'm okay with it. I think, you know, when you're 22 or 23, 24, um, it's, it's cool to do that position. But as I got older yeah. and my kids got, you know, I had babies, it was kind of like, I don't want to talk to you about any of this crap anymore. Right. And, exactly. and you know, uh, so even now when people ask, they'll, they'll, um, I was actually at a, a 40th birthday party a couple weeks ago. And one of the guys was like, were you like a prison guard? I was like, yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> but I would say probably, um, because transitioning from corrections, uh, I had a baby. So, uh, I had a year off no matter what. I was on mat leave. I hadn't really decided what I was doing. I didn't know that I was going through, um, you know, I was having symptoms of, you know, OSI, um, occupational stress, uh, injury, and I was exhibiting symptoms of PTSD. I was struggling to sleep, but you have a baby, you have all these hormone things going on and you just think, Oh, it's gotta be that. Mm -hmm. So I would say it was almost years later when I realized that I was really struggling with, um, leaving, events that took place there, incidents that I was involved in. Um, you know, I was always in this height, like uh, fight or flight mode. It was very chaotic and I, I thrived in chaos, but I also had extreme bouts of burnout. Uh, I was drinking significantly again, which I had done before I had my first child. Um, and I was running a business that, um, that needed my attention, but I also had a family that needed my attention and a husband who worked shift work. And in 2017, um, I'd gone to Mexico with some friends, came home and my mom, my throat, my, I'd lost my voice for like a couple days. And my friend's husband made fun of me like the whole time. Cause I had this like, yeah, happening. and <laughs> I got home and my mom's like, do you have a sore throat? And I'm like, yeah, I have a little bit of a sore throat. And she's like, well, like your lymph nodes under here are like massive. And then I kind of felt my neck and I thought, that's weird. I have a big Because in the summer, you'd come down here for my mm -hmm. um, stagettes. Yeah. And yeah. I remember you had a lump here and, and we it, all just wrote it off, right? We're just like... like what's wrong is that a goiter like what's going on right and like go i didn't even think goiter was a real word i know <laughs> something people because like wow it's almost as bad as moist i actually moist. think it's worse than moist. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah and i even in your wedding photos i can see it yeah in 
And I, it's so funny because, and I was super tired. Um, but I thought this again, I'm in this burnout cycle. I'm in this burnout. Mm -hmm. I'm very stressed out. I have a lot of things going on, but again, thrived in that. Um, I would really have to get really sick for me to stop moving most days. So, um, that they looked at it in April, July, I kind of started putting on like a ton of weight. My girlfriends are like, you know, Lauren, I think it's getting bigger. And I'm like, no, it's, no. And, and I had had like an ultrasound. They said, you know, it's benign. We'll take it out if it's bothering you. But now I look back and I'm like, how does this not bother somebody? It's a this. person. Yeah. And then, uh, in September, I started not even be able to drink because when I flip my head back, it would obstruct my, my throat. throat. So, uh, end of September, went and saw my family doctor. He said, okay, we'll send you for another ultrasound. They did. It came back. He said, there's like the shadow there, but I'm not worried. I'm like, great. He's like, but no matter what, we have to take it out. But in order for us to decide if we're taking out the whole thing or half of it, you know, it does look like it's pretty attached to the thyroid. <clears throat> well, um, we're going to do a biopsy. So I'm like, okay. So that was supposed to happen, I think November 12th, but no one ever called me. So they called my doctor, told my doctor I missed the appointment. And I'm like, but no one ever called me. So November 29th, 2017, my husband had court. My mom's like, I'm coming down. I'm coming to Edmonton. I'm like, I don't have you guys. I'm going to get like a needle put in there and they're going to tell me it's nothing. Like 5% of borders yep. come back positive for cancer. So in my mind, I'm pretty positive. So in my mind, I'm like, oh, 5%. I don't have it then. Right. I knew okay. I was going to have a surgery, but to the extent I wasn't sure. So my neighbor the night before I'd had a glass of wine with her and she's like, Oh, what's the plan? And I said, Oh, I'm just going to drive to Edmonton get my thing and come back. She's like, you're not going by yourself. I'm mm -hmm. like, yes, I am. It's nothing yeah. you guys. And my husband was at court. So anyway, she insisted she come with me, which was awesome. I, I, appreciated that more than anything. And, um, I went into the room they said, just so you know, we don't tell you anything in this room. Um, the results will be sent to your doctor and you'll find out in a couple weeks. So great. They freeze my neck, which is the weirdest thing in the entire world, because it feels like your head is like not attached to your body. So as I was walking out of the room, it was like, is my body coming with me? <laughs> it was the weirdest <laughs> thing ever. <laughs> but in that room, um, they held my hand. I closed my eyes. It was a, I saw the needle. It was like pretty long and pretty thick that they were going to put in there and yeah. suck out this. D did you ever do a biopsy with an inmate? I remember like having like and it may have like a liver biopsy and it's this yeah. big thing. And then it's like, a and they pull yeah. like a piece of the lip. That's, that's what they did in my Ew. neck. It was gross. Gross. So yeah. they did ended up doing three samples and then they sat me up and said, Hey honey, um, do you happen to have a friend here with you today? I didn't even clue in. I was like, Oh yeah, my neighbor's here. And she's like, Oh, okay. So they sit me up and they tell me right there, I have cancer. Oh, and I want to say, that was one of the most defining moments of my life. I, mm -hmm. I was blindsided. I for sure did not think that number one, they were going to tell me if I did number two, that I did, I did not think that I did. And I remember, um, leaving the hospital. They told me only because the tumor was now 10 centimeters, um, wow. big, wow. and it had actually burst out of my thyroid. So it was affecting the lymph nodes in that area. And they had kind of already decided like this has to come out 
immediately mm -hmm. only because it has um, come out of the thyroid and now is affecting other areas of my body. So they told me, you know, call your family doctor, call this surgeon, you'll likely have surgery in the next two weeks. Very much a whirlwind of emotions. And if you've been diagnosed with something significant, you know, you just get in the space of just tell me what I got to do, right? You just tell me what has to happen and how I get through this. So they did tell me that, that my, um, my su success rate was high, like you know, 90% of people who have this cancer, they get it removed, then they likely have radiation. But I remember driving home thinking, I'm not hanging out with these people anymore. I'm not like, I need to reconnect with this person. Fuck the store. Like I owned a retail mm -hmm. store. I didn't love it. Mm -hmm. It was something that so brought that, income. And that came for you right in that moment. So you right were diagnosed, like, uh -huh. got into your car mm -hmm. and you said... I have These to cut this. Yeah. Including your retail store. Including my, you, yeah. And that would have, that was like right after midnight madness. So like right after black Friday and black Friday was very chaotic for us. It always is. And I remember in like in that, in the black Friday moments, I remember thinking, I don't want to have to do this again. But then when I got the cancer diagnosis, I was like, and that, and I, here's the shitty part. I did do it again. I didn't close my store till March, 2019, but I had a significant amount of people that relied on me, uh, which mm -hmm. in COVID, I can totally understand people doing these like rep programs and all of these things, because I had a team of people that I loved number one and number two, that relied on me. And I was just like, okay, I have to have an exit strategy here rather than just saying I'm done. But after, um, so I was very much in this mode of like, how do I make sure I don't need my family? How do I make sure I do the things they say I'm supposed to do? So I had a surgery on December 14th. And after that, I found out that it did, um, they did pull a bunch of lymph nodes and some of them were cancer. So I would have to have radioactive iodine treatment, which was no big deal. If, if you ask my husband, he will say, I prayed for this treatment. So if you know anything about this, um, I've always said to my husband, can you and the kids just like leave for a week so I can organize, <laughs> throw shit out, clean. Like, he's like, no, why don't you go to a hotel for the weekend? I'm like, no, I don't want to go to a hotel. I want to be here. So when you take radioactive iodine, you actually drink, um, it tastes like burnt almonds and it's, it's strange and weird, but you can't be around anybody for a minimum of eight days because what happens is radioactive iodine comes out of your pores and my radioactive iodine would kill your thyroid. So it basically kills anything that's left behind so that the cancer can't reoccur. And right after that, they told me that I had to attend this like seminar for young adults with cancer. And I was like, I'm not doing that. I'm not interested in that. So I had to go to Edmonton. And then the lady called and said, we're actually doing one in cameras in a couple of weeks. So if you don't want to come to Edmonton, you will, you can come to the one in cameras. So I'm like, sure. This was probably the, the most, like the cancer diagnosis was massive, but the biggest part came during the seminar, which was, um, sorry, my dog's barking. That's okay. Can you hear him? That's okay. A little bit. Yeah, I can hear him. Um, <laughs> it's okay. They put us in the fire hall and I remember walking in and I was the youngest person by probably 30 years. I was 35 at the time. And they sit down and it's basically like this pony slideshow that they have that they reiterate from a piece of paper and, you know, 
don't eat these things, do these things to keep yourself healthy, reduce your stress. Cancer is very much related to stress and whatever. And I remember the one girl said, and here's the biggest tip I'm going to give you is don't try and get back to the person you were because after Mm -hmm. a cancer diagnosis or after a trauma or after something significant, you will never be that person again. And no matter how hard you try, you won't be back there. So take this opportunity to rediscover who you are. And I thought, okay, so your, your slideshow about salami did nothing for me. (laughs) Don't (laughs) don't eat the salami, wear your salami, don't eat salami, (laughs) wear your sunscreen. I was like, if I took anything from today, it was exact. I remember exactly where I was sitting, what the lady looked like, all the things that were happening. And I thought, fucking right. So that's exactly what I'm going to do. I get to go forward and decide like, and I put on probably about 30 pounds. And that was probably the hardest part for me was like, I'd always been small. I'd always been petite. Mm -hmm. I always felt comfortable in my skin. And I like barely wore anything other than leggings and like a big hoodie because it felt so shitty to try stuff on. And I thought, yeah, you're right. I, I get even if I'm not 130 pounds, who cares? Right. Like mm-hmm. I'm the 150 pound Lauren going forward. It's not a big yeah. deal. Right? This body has given birth to two babies. It's gone through cancer. It won't be the 130 pound chick that I was before. So, um, I, and I did, that's exactly what I did. I went forward and said, who do I want to become? Who, who am I going to be going forward instead of trying to get back to who I was before? Cause even before, Right, Jaren? I was like this 22-year-old sassy, like, and, and I still am. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I brought some of those things with me. Um, but I I got to decide, right? It was it was mm-hmm. very cool. So I would say that I in that moment I reinvented myself and just said, like, here's who I want to be. These are the things that I want to do. These are the goals that I'm going to set. And the coolest part about it is who you become in the process. It doesn't matter what the end result is. You always do better, right? Than you actually think you're going to do. If you do the tiny Mm -hmm. little steps every day, if you be consistent, if you build those habits. Um, so I, you know what? I, I know I'm better than I would have been if I didn't have that advice, because I think I would have always been trying to get back to 22 year old Lauren. And, mm-hmm. um, and I liked her, but I mean, she was 22 dumb. Not yeah. really. <laughs> didn't know everything. Like Everybody she she grows. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I think that's, that's kind of how I went forward and reinvented myself. I decided, you know, who do I want in my life? what do I want to do going forward? Instead of sitting here and bitching about it all day long, just do it. it it's going to be hard, but I mean, you've had two babies, you've gone through cancer, you left your career, you started a business when you had no idea how to start a business. Like, and you and I talk about this because people are always saying, how do you come out of your comfort zone? How do you do that without being scared? And it's like, I have stood in front of an inmate and basically told them to whatever and waited for the yeah. sucker punch to come to my face. Exactly. So, I mean, yeah. there's nothing scarier than that. So I always just say, yeah, it's scary. But I, and a mentor of mine one time said, you know, you're scared, but scared and excitement are the exact same feeling. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you're, I remember I was going to speak on a stage for the very first time. It was the worst thing I've ever done. I wanted to throw up the whole entire time. 
<laughs> and I was going to, and I'm like, I'm so nervous. She's like, no, you're not. You're so excited. There are the exact same feeling, the butterflies in the tummy, the, and I was mm-hmm. like, yeah, you're right. And I've literally taken that forward with everything I've done. I'm like, I'm not scared. I'm excited. And yeah, yeah I might be scared, but I do it anyways, as long as I'm not yeah. going to die. Right. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah, exactly. But did you die? But exactly, did you die? Right? No, did not. I did not die. I did not. It was wicked. So that's where I think the biggest reinvention happened for me because I, even with the trauma from the prison, even with the things with my kids, I was always trying to get back, get back to yeah. that, get back to that shape, get back to those. Um, you know, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a completely different person, but I I really am based on the experience I've been through. You can't not be a completely different person. Right. Mm So um, it's, yeah, I think that's where the reinvention really took over was the whole cancer thing, because that's traumatic. It's traumatic to have cancer and to think, First of all, my husband doesn't know how to send an e-transfer. So that was one of my first. It's just like, what the fuck is going to happen to my family? This guy doesn't even know how to e-transfer money, right? Like, <laughs> I didn't have my pension out. We didn't have a will. Like, when all of these things happened, it was like, I need to make the a list. wake-up call. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I need to make a list of the things that I have to do to when, if, if this does become something else, or I need to feel comfortable in the fact that I've done the work. And, um, we have a will, my husband still doesn't know how to need transfer, but I'm, that's sure okay. Someone you're will show you're him. there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're there to do it. <laughs> yeah. So it's just good. Very, so good. Lauren. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I reinvented myself. And then I just kept saying, just try it. Like the podcast, right. When you brought the, we, yeah. we had originally talked about YouTube and then we didn't want to do a makeup. Everyone's heard the story, but it's like, there's so many opportunities out there. Right. And I mean, mm-hmm. I could, we could have said, no, Oh, that takes too much time. Oh, you know, we don't have, to, we don't have time. And that's the biggest thing. People say they don't have time, but you have to make time mm-hmm. for the things that you love and look where we are. Like, yeah, look where we are. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. So good. It's crazy. Okay. Yes. So I want to know, about you because I've been talking your face off for 20 minutes hold up the timer how many minutes minutes? 20 now (laughs) 20 20 minutes second (laughs) 40 minutes so now it's your 20 minute turn well technically I only have 19 minutes so oh shit you used used up one of my minutes (laughs) that's okay (laughs) um reinventing myself yeah this for me is big and uh, I reinvented myself many, like you, many times throughout my life. Um, one of the biggest uh, ones for me was moving, like away from Calgary to Edmonton. I took a, uh, a trip to Peru that was very life-changing for me. I started from a bad breakup with, I had nothing, like, you know, not even a pot to piss in, literally. And I just took my savings and went to Peru. And it was changed for me because I discovered myself, I discovered my sexuality, who I am as a person. So that was my first, and I was 27. So that was my first reinvention where I came into knowing who I am, mm-hmm. meaning without I having out. a bunch of other influences around you, right? Exactly. Like just go figure out who I am, mm-hmm. come back. I'll reintroduce myself. You can stay, exactly. you can go. You can stay or go. And I I was totally like that. Because back then, like you actually had to come out, right? So it was like, you're not in my life anymore. You can go, you can stay, you love me. It's all good. And then 
I started corrections. So that was the next uh, reinvention because like you and I, when we started, we didn't know what we signed up for. Right. right? And when I walked into that prison, I was um, scared, but I was like, they're never going to know the inmates that I'm scared. They will never know I'm scared because I'm going to have this mask on my, this look on my face that mm -hmm. I will excel. And I did excel and I loved the job for a long, like 10 years, a good 10 years, because it was good. I was excelling. Mm -hmm. um, it was my routine. You get yeah. up there, you do your thing. And like Lauren, you and I were at the top of our game. We were good at the job. Mm -hmm. um, then I was, uh, I wouldn't say bored. I was uh, not growing. I wasn't mm -hmm. moving forward after my baby. So that was another reinvention. I became a mother mm -hmm. and that was huge for me. Um, that softened every hard piece of me because she is just, you know, my love. And I even so, remember you being very pregnant on a very hot day, just like cranky and, and mm -hmm. you had a bad pregnancy. So I can, yes. I did not have, I hated being pregnant, but they weren't bad. Me too. But even after, mm -hmm. yeah, even after summer came, it was like this different feeling, right? Person. Like, yeah. yeah, yeah, I was, I was so different. I was softer. I was, and everybody, I, when I get, came back to the jail, they were like, what's wrong? What's wrong with you? Like, what are these things like emotions? Like you don't like, what's the matter? I go from a tomboy, a hardcore correctional officer, soccer player, ball hockey. And now I've got like my little sidekick with me. And yeah, yeah so that was huge. And then leaving the prison, the, uh, that was the next reinvention because I identified with being an officer, mm -hmm. my uniform, my, like everything. It was an identity for me. So leaving there, um, after summer had the seizure 20, it would have been 2014. And I left, I actually moved back this way to Airdrie, Calgary. And then 2015 became a business owner with my mom. So massive change very quickly. I became a business owner, a regular member of society. I remember my mom taking me to the side and saying, you have to bring it down several notches. Like not everyone is out to get you. Not everybody is an inmate. Um, all of those things. So, <laughs> that, yeah. And that's a process. You have, you, that's, and that, that doesn't happen overnight. I, I even like, no, I, I know this very, because my husband is a police officer. So he's very mm -hmm. much in that. And I'm like, seriously, calm down. But I'm like, I remember having the hyper. Those, yeah. The trust issues, the hypervigilance. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. The, why is this person in my personal space? Because at the jail, um, I, I was always in that safety zone, right? So mm -hmm. they were steps away. I was in my defensive stance. You were ready. You were, and then one foot like, forward, one foot backward. You run one up. foot forward, one foot back, hands ready, ready, ready. action. And my mom's, my mom would be like, they've come in for a facial. It's a 65 year old woman, right? <laughs> Stand down. <laughs> and I couldn't, I couldn't sit down. I was like, you're right. I'm sorry. My fault. Right. Yeah. And so that was a, pro it was a, a two year process of coming down of like, you know, sleeping, sleeping well again, without the shift work. Uh, we've talked about like, uh, us abusing substances, whether it was booze or, you know, neocitrin or prescription or over the counter drugs to help you sleep, 
um, all of that stuff, it's a process to come out of. So then, yeah, fast forward to COVID and the, we started the podcast. So anybody who knows me knows I am like a prickly pear, a hard nut to crack. I'm not a sharer. So this is all very new for me since last, this was last year, was it? 2020 yeah. yeah. we started. Yeah. So this is um, another reinvention. It's an opportunity to, to keep growing, right? And healing and and sharing. So my I've had many chances in my life to have the opportunity to reinvent myself through you know 50 years of living right mm-hmm. and it's been it's been good it has been good and it's like yeah. i sorry my dog's gonna bark again that's okay of course it's okay. Uh, even when we started this i remember sharon like shaking and going like <laughs> i don't think i can do this yeah like just because if sharon and i could have recorded phone call conversations leading yeah. up we wouldn't even have to do with podcasts we could literally just share those for the rest of our lives Yes, because we could always, we could always talk and connect. Right. And we Mm -hmm. always like have, so the podcast after the, probably the first season, I was still nervous. Like, uh, the butterflies were, were there until season two, when we sort of calmed down into it. Right. And and then we, when we started having guests, that was even more nerve wracking. Oh, see, and I think the guest is less nerve wracking because then we have to talk less. It's like, yeah, that's way better. (laughs) It is, it is better, but until I have to come up with questions, right, that are meaningful. Which, let's just say this, okay? Sharon runs the podcast. (laughs) I literally just show up. Well, you do the Zoom calls. (laughs) Oh, I put in the Zoom call links, and when you put in the Zoom call links, when you go to Apple. The little write-up is mine. I do that part. <laughs> That's it. That's the extent of my job here. So <laughs> Sharon has really like taken this whole podcast thing and like, okay, are we getting back at it? I'm like, yes, yeah, Sharon. We're like, and if she wouldn't have done that, if I would have done this alone, or I don't feel like it would have been as number one amazing because we do feed off each other quite a bit. We know mm-hmm. each other's stories. Like, like when I'm 22 and you're 33. I mean, we were older when we met, but you know who I was and who I've become and I know who you are and who you've become. So, and and we've called each other out on certain things before too, which is kind of cool. Like, no, we're doing this anyways. We're going anyways. We're doing it no matter Mm -hmm. what. Um, Mm -hmm. so there is this, um, this excitability behind it because it's not like going forward. And I always say, um, I have some summer, I have some students right now through my nonprofit and they just laugh because they're like, you just fucking jump and take everybody with you <laughs> and be like, exactly. figure, we figure it out on the way. We down. Figure it out. If we figured it out on the way, it would be like six years later, we might start something. Right. It's like, yeah, no, that's right. You start it. You just go, you make it work. Mm-hmm. We had no idea what we were doing. Um, mm-hmm. and I mean, we, we figured it out and even Absolutely. people have approached us and asked them, yes, how do we do this? And we're like, um, we don't, yeah, we're not experts. Go on Amazon, order a microphone. <laughs> yeah. Wait till Black Friday. <laughs> That's what we did. These were half price and, uh, just plug it in and, and go. Like and that's go. all we do. <laughs> and, and then, uh, 
<laughs> and now we could charge a hundred dollars for saying that, right? Yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> it, 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 and that's it. That's the thing because you have to start somewhere. And um, even with the whole reinventing thing, it's like okay, the Peru was the step forward for you, and and me too. Like I was reinvent. I remember people saying to me like even after being in corrections for like a month, you're different. Yeah, no shit. Yes. I have to be different. Oh, I can't. Oh yeah. Be and 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 you do because you and when we started, uh, everybody's heard this before. Like we work tons of hours, so you're in that role. Yeah. Um, and the so shift work, right? It's like hard we to get out of it. And we did those seven seven days on, three off, and, and so most of them were sixteen hour shifts. Uh, yeah, and when we were off, the only other people off were you guys, right? So mm -hmm. it was we just clung to each other and people did say that, yeah, you've changed your, you've hardened or you can't relate. You can't go and sit at a book club having wine with people when, you know, you came off a shift and you cut somebody down from hanging themselves, right? You can't, you don't have the same wavelengths there as the other people do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that, and I would say like, that was in itself a reinvention, right? Because you come in and you, you decide like, okay, I have to be, I have to be, and, and you can't show emotion. You have to, you, you basically put up a wall because as soon as mm -hmm. the inmates know you're nervous, you're scared or anything like that. So you learn, you, you build that wall the second you walk through the gate, but I've also learned it's very hard to take down that wall. Even if it's only yeah. been up for 16 hours, you only have eight hours to take it down. It'll never be back down to where it was, the right? Same. So you just mm -hmm. keep, oh my gosh, seriously, Your is dog going to deal <laughs> with the dog? Of course not. They're like, what? What dog? What dog, mom? It's okay. We're... <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> I can hear him. I'm like, is he whimpering? Uh, we can... Yeah, wrap it up anytime. Okay, I'm good with wrapping it up. Uh, okay. Well, you only got a few minutes. That's okay. That's I'm used to it, Lauren. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have my talk more uh, sticker up. Oh, you don't. <laughs> That's why. Talk but it's more, okay. Like we can tell we Lauren can to talk less. Tell Lauren to talk less. Mm -hmm. No, we, we love hearing your voice, of course, right? And we can, well, I do. Maybe other people don't, but I do. <laughs> maybe Trevor, maybe Trevor doesn't. Yeah, if do. my husband ever listened to the podcast, <laughs> I, it would be like, oh my gosh, so funny. Even um, I did a documentary with uh, Frontline Resiliency Project, and I said a few things in that documentary, and I was like, he might be mad at me. <laughs> I'm like, oh, fuck it. he's not going to watch that. He's not going to listen. Right? Yeah. Exactly. He's not going to, if he listened to this, I would, uh, Matt, it would be, I have like done excerpts and stuff and said, Hey, listen to this or, Oh, you know, whatever. And he just, he makes fun of us. So I'm like, forget it. I'm not fucking dealing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I don't even know if my husband knows how to get a podcast, right? Like, I know lots of people have asked, how do you even listen? But that's okay. That's okay. Lots totally. To. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, it, it has been so much fun. Um, mm -hmm. and meeting people were, we're interviewing, uh, a new person on Tuesday. I've got a hold of a couple people going forward. And, um, I just, you and I have said this a thousand times. There is healing in telling your story. There is healing in coming yeah. forward and talking about, you know, vulnerable things or things that you have struggled with just 
saying those words to people that are receptive, who have been there, who, um, who can open up that space is, is more healing than most people have said, you know, six months of psychology, psychology appointments. And I, I'm not like saying, don't see a therapist. Don't see a don't psychologist. See Just come don't on our podcast and yeah, listen, to, and we, you're listen good. to our podcast and you'll be healed. Right. But I think there, there's, and I do lots of stuff with peer support. So I know that, you know, sitting in a room or, you know, putting in some headphones and going, Oh, wow. I'm not the only one who's been through this or, Oh, I can relate to that tiny piece of it. Cause I know I told the cancer story over and over and over again, like to the point that even today I was like, shut up about the cancer thing. No, one cares. no it's, it's old. People care. It's old of course they care. Um, but, <laughs> but even just that little thing, they, they go back to, you know, something they've been diagnosed with or someone close to them has been diagnosed with yeah, and they can absolutely. relate to that feeling and go, Oh, I'm not alone. I can reach out to people. Mm-hmm. There is, even if there's one other person who feels the same way you feel and expresses it, you, it does something to that wall, that wall that you've built up to say, I can't talk about this. I'm scared. And, um, and guys are worse, right? You, you fall, especially in the first responder world, you fall on this. I'm fine. I got it. I'm fine. I don't have, you know, there's nothing wrong with me. And we've changed the way we do things significantly. Thank goodness. Because, you know, now instead of, you know, briefing or not briefing, briefing, uh, debriefing (laughs) after a critical incident. It's not, you know, how are you? It's like, where did you feel it? You know, if you, Mm -hmm. uh, if you could pinpoint the most critical part of that incident, what was it for you? Right. It's not about you sucked at this. Why did you make this decision? You know, uh, be ready for an investigation. Yes. All the operational stuff. And that's like where we came from the critical, what was it called again? Schism. Yeah, it was always stress management. Yeah. Yes. And it was always a critique of how you uh, mm-hmm. responded to the incident versus are you okay? Which Absolutely. we didn't get asked that we never got asked that. Right. And it was no. um, just us over beers asking, are Each you other. okay? Yeah. Yeah. That how did you and and even asking are you okay right after an incident is is significant because like I said we've put up those walls we've said we're fine we're fine we're fine long enough it's usually a couple weeks later when we realize we're not fine and no one mm-hmm. cares anymore the incident's over yeah. right no one gives a shit so I think no. that's where a lot of people get to decide or get to reinvent themselves when they when they can align themselves with other people and say wow, I'm not the only one and I'm going to, I'm going to do better going forward. And if that means therapy, peer support, counseling, yoga, I don't really care what it is. If it's, you know, deciding like, I'm just going to start your own podcast, whatever it is for you. Um, but you, you get to decide who you are going forward. And I, um, you and I get, you know, Instagram messages from people asking questions or wanting to chat. And we are always open to chatting, giving resources, um, because we've been there. So we know what it's like to be in a, in a, in a darker space, right? Yeah, totally. And, And know how significant it is for someone to reach out and ask for help, right? To ask for help is a massive, like massive in the first responder world. Um, 
And lots of times when people ask for help the first time they don't get it. And then they're scared to ask mm-hmm. again. So we, um, and with that reinvention piece, it's, it's hard to reinvent yourself when you're surrounded by shitty people and Absolutely. it's hard to know. So if you are listening to this, um, know that there are people, there are peer support groups, there are a million things out there. And if you don't follow uh, and, and you don't even have to be a first responder. You can be anybody. There are things. And luckily for us, one thing COVID has done is increased our capacity to handle mental health and, and work with people through mental health stuff because COVID has been massive, right? It's changed the Absolutely. way we live our lives and how we, we feel about our jobs and our kids and our financial situations. And, um, yeah, I think the the ability to reinvent yourself and decide who you're going to become instead of saying, well, this is who I am. I guess I'll just, I guess I'll Roll just with live it. with it, right? Absolutely. Um, it's a big step though. And there are a bunch of tiny steps involved in that big step. So if you are struggling or um, you need anything, you always feel free to ask us for resources or um, reach out. Sounds great. Thanks for taking the time today, um, Lauren, and thanks uh, to all our listeners and uh, thanks for being here. And we hope you guys continue listening and following us along Mm -hmm. and we'll chat with you soon. Yeah, the season's going to be wicked. There's so many people that we're looking forward to having. Well, that's all for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. You can find us on Instagram at From Uniforms to Unicorns uh, on all podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, Speaker, all of those. Also feel free to subscribe. You'll be notified of new episodes that come out and we always love a review. Also feel free to share with anybody you would enjoy. We also want to send a big thank you to Jamie Green for being our podcast editor and to Jeff Bale at Third Hell Music for our soundtrack. Thanks again, everyone. Have a great day, love. Lauren and Sharon.